Hello, my name is Senior Master Sergeant Lashana Hayner, and I am the 102nd Intelligence Wing Human Resource Advisor. Um, I'm fairly new to this position, um, but I'm happy you decided to join us for, our fir- for my first podcast. And today's topic, we're going to be discussing how to have difficult conversations, uh, especially in this current environment that we're in, um, where there's a lot of opinions and a lot of things people just want to talk about. So uh, without further ado, I also have a, uh, some leadership here to participate in this conversation with me. We will be going around and uh, allowing them to introduce themselves. So we'll start with Colonel Sutton. Hi, uh, I'm Colonel Sutton. I'm a flight surgeon here at the 102nd Intelligence Wing. Uh, my experience includes active duty as a civil engineering officer, uh, Air National Guard as a human relations officer, and working at NGB as a diversity officer. And now I'm looking forward to talking about some difficult conversations. Hello, my name is Major Eric Anker. I am the Director of Equal Opportunity for the 102nd Intelligence Wing. I've been in this role for about five years, and as a, I'm a traditional guardsman, and as a civilian, I teach critical thinking and philosophy and do personal fitness training. Good morning. Uh, my name is Chief Eng. I'm from the 101st Intelligence Squadron. I'm the former Human Resource Advisor for the Wing here, and um, uh, Thank you for the opportunity for me to share my points of view. Good morning. My name is Chaplain Barnett. I'm the Camp Edwards Installation Chaplain. I've also been in the Guard now for about, uh, I want to say, 30-something-plus years. I started off in 1989 as a tanker, so I've had experience on uh, both sides of being uh, uh, non-commissioned and also now commissioned, and also uh, my experiences uh, on the traditional side I am a, a math teacher in my local community here at Wayham, so familiar with the Cape Cod and familiar with a lot of the uh, conversations that are uh, taking place. So thank you for the uh, information and inspiration that's going to come from this time together. Thank you. And thank you all for joining me today in this conversation. I look forward to our conversation that we're going to have today. A couple of things I wanted to mention before we get started. Um, why this conversation, which I touched on a little bit earlier, Right now, people are passionate for various reasons. And the one thing to help uh, move forward, the one thing to um, heal some wounds, um, make a difference, is to have a conversation. Um, Being silent, ignoring it, is not going to allow for anything good to happen. The second thing is to provide, this is going to hopefully through our conversation, provide some guidance on how to engage in conversation um, in a um, empathetic, considerate way. Um, And then the thing that this is not, I do not want anybody taking away from this, this is not a checklist. Um, There is no rigidity to this. You have to, hopefully, there are certain things you hear in this conversation that you can take away and use how you see fit that fits your situation, uh, the different people you have conversations with. Great. So I will, uh, there's a question that I have to kick us off, and I am actually going to uh, 
start with Chief Ng on this. And the question is, and, and every person participant will be getting this question, what is your approach to having difficult conversations? Uh, thank you, Sergeant. I appreciate that question. It was my way here. Um, I'm, I'm glad to be here to lead off this conversation. Uh, one of the uh, the things I, I, I think about when I, when I think about uh, how to start the difficult conversation about the, the, the climate that we live in is you have to be sincere. Uh, you have, you um, actually have to be, uh, the language you use matters a lot. What I mean by, by the language you use is how do you, the words that you use, um, how, how do you um, engage the individual instead of, uh, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is listening. Be, be a good listener. Um, understand what the, in, the individual that's speaking to you, where they're coming from. Uh, for those of you that may have uh, full lenses training, you, you probably want to see, um, look look to the individuals, using the individual's color lens to, to look at it and to see why they're seeing it, uh, what, they, what they're discussing, why they're seeing it the way they, they see it. And the other thing is um, considering saying, I never thought of that before. Tell me more. Instead of, oh, that never happened to me before. I can't believe that happened. So it depends on what language you use will prolong the, uh, uh, the conversation and, and make you uh, more, more engaged into the, to the individual. Um, the other thing that uh, I think is, is, is important is uh, you, you, sh you must not come to the conversation with any preconception. You have to basically wipe your mind out, uh, whatever your beliefs, whatever your uh, background, whatever your instincts uh, you have to wipe that or start with a blank plate, uh, a clean plate, and then uh, just take it all in and just listen and then, and then decide. Great. Thank you, Chief. Um, really, some really, really great information there uh, and great tidbits that I think we can even apply ourselves. Um, we'll go to Major Anchor. Thank you. Yes, very happy to be here. And uh, Chief, you uh, <coughs> made me think of some things. Um, basically, there's, there's two approaches to starting a difficult conversation. Why, wh first, why is, it, why is a conversation going to be difficult? It's going to be difficult because we're, we're perceiving that there's going to be some conflict in the conversation. We're, we're, we're already getting ahead of ourselves right there. So going into a conversation, as the chief said, with a totally open mindset is productive and allows the conversation to take the shape that, it needs, that it's going to take naturally and organically. Um, Chief mentioned listening, and people say, you know, one of my favorite movies is Fight Club, and we've seen uh, this this message uh, in, throughout our pop culture, throughout our culture, this message of people not listening, but instead waiting for their opportunity to talk. We throw it out there, people not listening, people aren't listening, people aren't listening, but I find that the work is not in not in listening, the work is not in trying to listen, the work is in shutting down my opinion machine. The opinion machine that runs in my head constantly, constantly forming opinions. One of the exercises I have in my critical thinking class is I ask my students to take a whole day without forming an opinion. Very, very difficult. And what it does is it just, an opinion is a door, to, is, is, a, is, a, is a door slamming. The minute I form an opinion, I've shut the door on more information. And when I stop forming opinions, I just have, it can be overwhelming, the amount of information that can come in when I finally just like shut up my internal dialogue and let other people's information come to me. So that's kind of the work that I engage in when I'm having a, a conversation is shutting down my um, opinion machine that's constantly running. 
And as far as a general approach, treating everybody, especially in the military, but even out in society, treating everybody at worst like a family member that I disagree with. We're all on the same team. We're all on the same side. So conversations are not battles. They are chances to connect. And the only way to connect is to let someone else's information come into my awareness. And what's beautiful about that is that simple act is, is a sign of respect. And then that other person will now listen to me because I've allowed them to sort of clear their slate, get their feelings and thoughts out, and now they're ready to hear me. So that's my, that's my approach. Thank you, Colonel Sutton. Uh, my approach would be to be uh, subtly direct and in this situation say, we're having this conversation because there have been some tense issues in the world today, and specifically in the United States. Uh, with all of its uh, good things, one of the many thorns is racism, sexism, disparity, and just put it out there and say, we need to talk about it. Um, I think the greatest thing you can do to add insult to injury is act like something didn't happen. And I think for a long time, we're acting like things didn't happen. Uh, we can have our opinions, and that's fine, but I do agree that it is often a door shutting and that we do need to be more open-minded and realize that perhaps we don't have all of the details. And there's not every detail we're going to have, but suffice it to say that in this conversation, it's not about winning. It's not about me forcing my, uh, my perspective on you. It's making you aware of my perspective and my interpretation of the situation and how it harms us if we don't clear the air. And maybe I can understand your perspective and your information, but it is to put it out there and to connect in a conversation that moves toward resolution and more peace because it doesn't help anybody to have something lingering unaddressed. No one is benefits by that. So we need to address the elephant in the room or it's going to step on somebody's toes. And you know, when an elephant steps on your toes, it's going to break. So let's stop the breakage, stop the damage, and just openly communicate. <laughs> okay? Why not let's, that elephant? Let's just, you know, let's yep. stop the damage because we're, we're just letting the damage go if we don't address it. So my approach is being subtly direct. Thank you, ma'am. And the approach varies depending on if it's one person or a group. Mm. So we'll temper it accordingly. Good point. Thank you. Chaplain Barnett. Yes, my approach would be what I call the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory ABCs uh, approach. And since we're talking about Willy Wonka, I'm going to ask the audience and uh, obviously uh, the participants here, can you give me your favorite childhood candy? I'd like to know your favorite childhood candy. So the Willy Wonka ABC approach is A for attitude, B for bonding, and C for compassion. And when it comes to A, the attitude, or we say the approach, I think we all agree that uh, sometimes it's not what you say, but it's how you say it. And when we talk about approach, I mean, I'm here with my Air Force counterparts, and I'm grateful for that because you know the uh, difference between a jet landing uh, or the approach a jet takes versus a helicopter takes, right? You don't want to take the approach of a helicopter if you're a jet and vice versa. And I think uh, Stephen Covey, I believe uh, a book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, said it best. He said, in order to be understood, you must first seek to understand. 
So I think the uh, A would be the approach or the attitude makes a difference, as you know, tonality, body language. My daughter taught me uh, this lesson very well. I brought some props in my little tool bag here. So uh, the uh, first uh, uh, little tool bag I have real fast is uh, in a little, you know, Halloween's coming. So uh, it's a little welcome. I think they can see it, right? It's a little welcome because even in Halloween, people want you to feel welcome, right? With all the ghosts and goblins and stuff that's going on. We got a lot of uh, weird stuff, we would say, going on in the world. But we want, uh, uh, as we have a conversation, everybody to feel welcome. But back to the attitude, my daughter has some dishes, right? We all got children at home. And I cussed her out one time, do those dishes, do those dishes. And I was fussing. And I wasn't cussing because I'm a chaplain. <laughs> but I was fussing. <laughs> and she said, Dad, why are you yelling? And it was right there that I realized that I was attacking the individual and not the issue. The issue was the dishes. So she taught me, Dad, if you would have just told me, she, you know, my daughter's 13 years old, Dad, if you would have just told me, can you get those dishes? You might not know what I've said back, but the way that you approached me, I already was turned off. So I think the A would be the approach. Mm. We want people to feel welcome. And then the B would be the bonding. So I asked you uh, earlier, what was your favorite childhood candy? So uh, what, what did you say it was? Um, I would have to say my favorite candy during my childhood is probably a Snickers bar. Snickers. I'm gonna go with uh, Charleston Chew chocolate. Charleston Chew chocolate, old school. M Ms. M Ms. Reese's peanut butter cups. Reese's peanut butter cup. Okay, yes. on three, everybody in the audience, I want to hear yours. One, two, three. Okay, I heard some say old school, good and plenty. <laughs> <laughs> some of you said that with the long and some of you got that sweetest fish out there, right? Now, for me, real fast, my old school candy when I was young, it was those necklaces, oh. and you can't do it now, right? But you would, you would like eat the candy and lick the candy, and then you put it on your neck, and then you pass it to your friend. I mean, you definitely can't do it in 2020. But back in the day, <laughs> the COVID that's operation. Right, that's right. You can't do it, but but that's how we used to do it, and and. And understand when I say bonding is I really uh, ask my soldiers truly that question. And what I tell them is, guess what? You might have said Godstopper. You might have said Sweetest Fish. You said something totally different. Different flavors. That means you had a different opinion than I did. But we're still in this room. And it's okay that if you have a different flavor and I have a different flavor, the reality of it is we all like sweets. And although it's in a little different taste... What you have to say is important, and what I have to say is important. And so that's the bonding that I try to have in every uh, conversation. And then obviously the last would be C, the compassion. Let's be honest, we're all leaders here. And the reality of it is people don't care how much you know mm -hmm. until they know how much you care. So I try to approach every conversation with what is my relationship to that person and then kind of go from there. So that would be my ABCs. It would be the approach, the bonding, and then come with a, a compassion. Great. Thank you. Wow. Some really great responses. Um, I'm going to have to remember that candy one, too. Um, so a lot of, uh, so one of the consistent things that came up as you guys were sharing um, was you have to have the conversation. Um, be it doing it directly or doing it first by finding that common bound. The conversation has to happen. Um, 
Can you give an example of when you had a difficult conversation? I'm sure all of us have had opportunities. Yes, great. Um, when we had a suicide, I talked to the unit and said, I'm just going to tell you right out. There has been an attempt, and it was our unit, and it was so-and-so. Um, if you haven't been calling him, don't call him now. I said, I'm just telling you that he needs his close circle of support right now and doesn't need to have his phone blown up. Um, in general, you know, you're thinking, well, how could this happen? What went wrong? Don't, let, don't think that way. Just remember that in life, uh, things happen. And no matter who you are, it can be personal, it can be financial, it can be your job. It can just be something within you where you just feel beat up and down. And you reach a tipping point where you feel like it's time to make a permanent solution to what may be a temporary problem. And I took a dollar, I mean, a $20 bill, and I just said, uh, who wants it? Of course, they were like, trick question. <laughs> then I crumbled it up, and I said, who still wants it? Then I threw it on the floor. Who still wants it? I do. Then I stomped on it. Who still wants it? I said, why? Six has value. And that's my point. No matter what life does to you and how bad you might feel or how terrible you think things are, you still have value. All of your potential, all of the things that you can do, all of your talent is still there no matter what the condition. So just be direct and say if you have any questions or concerns, you can always come and talk to me or any one of the other professionals available here on base. So it had to be direct. Everybody knew what was going on. Nobody felt like I was hiding anything because if you leave them wondering, then they're like, well, who's not here? What? Just shut off all that, shut off all the rumor stuff when you're up front. And there, there it is for everybody to look at and to process. Great, thank you. I wanted, before I tell a conversation story, I just wanted to respond mm -hmm. to the chaplain real quick. Um, or, or, or add, add something to that, because I really, that, that act with the candy is so much more, is so powerful. Because when we're talking about, take this back to the core, this racism, sexism, mm -hmm. back to the core of what it is, it's about difference, right? Difference. We all know about the flight or flight, fight or flight response, right? The fight or flight response is triggered by difference. This is why people have these response, this is why we have these Karens, these people that are responding to difference in ways that they don't even think is coherent. You the guys moment, know what Karen is, right? The Karen, yeah. we yes. know, yes, yes, okay, I think, yeah, all right. <laughs> if you don't know what a Karen is, Google it. Um, but what the chaplain did there, and this is, this is why, this is, in the, in, the larger, in the larger milieu or swirl of conversations, having difficult conversations can kind of come down later down the road given a certain social group. Because the moment that difference comes into the conversation, when I'm talking to my parents or something and something kind of crunchy comes up that we might disagree about, the moment, that, the moment you're different from me comes into the conversation, the fight or flight has started to kick in. What the chaplain's doing there is he is trying to build connections first. If we see a difficult conversation coming around the corner, I can get frantic sometimes trying to build commonalities and figure out what we have in common first. Building the more difficult you think the conversation is going to be, if you think you're going to be starting to talk about like real hot political issues, BLM and stuff like that, the truth is you might not even get to that topic in the first meeting you have with somebody that you're going to have that conversation with if you're going to do it right. If you're going to do it right, you're going to make sure that you've built up 
enough, this is the work that we have to do as conversationalists that are the ones who are willing to engage in the conversation. We have to build the connection. So walking around with candy and having something in common that we can all have first, that I can have with somebody else, is so important. And that's why that shutting down the opinion and listening, what I'm doing when I'm listening, is I'm listening for something that I can glom onto as we have that in common. We have that in common. Oh, we have that. Oh, I agree with you. Oh, I agree with you. I agree with you. Throwing things out there that I think they may have in common with me. So we've established a rapport. Now we can start. Now we can get every bit of, it's like a one for one. Every bit of difference that comes up is going to cancel out a sameness that we've established. So building up levels of sameness. And it's nice in the military, right? Because we're all in uniform. We'll have a mission. So there's lots to talk about before we start getting into those areas where there's going to be potential conflict or, or difference rearing its head. So I just wanted to say to, to thank you for that offering. Yeah, yeah you're, yes. you're welcome. And, and it's funny to piggyback off of that is uh, the C's, right? For for me, it's I remind everybody, and I got my little prop, is that when we come to a conversation, right, it's a conversation and it's not confrontation. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to stress that again. It's conversation, not confrontation. Those of you who are watching, I got my little pom-poms here. And, and that means we're on the same team. Right? You cheer for your team, even sometimes your quarterback doesn't do a play that you like. So right. you might call a play in this conversation or in our discussion that I might not like. But even if we agreed to disagree, guess what? We're still united because we agreed to disagree. And that's okay. And that's, I think, the challenge with 2020 is we're so polarized yes. that it's either right or wrong, left or right, and that is really not the reality of, uh, like you said, back to the flavors. You might like it differently mm-hmm. than I do. Mm-hmm. You're still looking for something sweet. Guess what? In this conversation, the bottom line is we're still looking for something sweet, whether it's love, whether it's care, whether it's compassion, and most importantly, to be validated. So I validate your opinion even if it's different from mine. So I will still cheer you for your opinion. And I think right. that makes a difference Absolutely. In, in the conversation. Yes, thank you. Um, and to before we go on and, and have everybody else around the table answer the question, um, that commonality piece I think is very significant. Um, and I challenge anybody who chooses to try to engage in conversation. So I challenge everybody to try to be a part of a conversation. But the first thing you have to do is know the person. Um, I've I've had this conversation with a couple of people where it's like. I can't I can tell my best friend when she doesn't look good in an outfit. I am not going to find some random person on the street and say you don't look good in that outfit. Because there is no relationship there. There's been no building, there's no trust, there's no support. And so you have to in all levels even in, in your peer relationships, you have to have those conversations, you have to build that relationship. You have to invest. Yes. Um, time and effort and energy, and then that allows for you to say, we can agree to disagree. I will still be your cheerleader. Ultimately, we're fighting or, or trying, we're striving for the same things. We all acknowledge that we have the same needs, desires, goals, whatever it is. We, we're, we're going in the same direction, but we can't know that if we don't spend time and talk to each other and build those relationships and build those conversations. And that's a good, that's a good holding, that's a good approach, as a, a for approach, mm-hmm. as Chaplin said, for the entire context of, of this conversation right now. We, we, we entered this space with the uh, notion that 
people need to have these conversations. People need to have conversations. And what, just to clarify, when we say people need to have conversations, if you're listening to this and you agree with that, we don't need to have the conversations because we need to get our opinions out there. We don't need to have the conversation so that we can really show people how we're right and they're wrong. We need to have the conversations for the sake of building connections in this fragmented time. That's why we're doing it. So while we have these very crunchy topics of racism and sexism and, and the politics going on sort of floating around this space, we're not trying to have the conversations to quote unquote tackle these issues. We're having these conversations so that we can build connection around these issues and then find a common ground, <clears throat> excuse me, even if that common ground is just agreeing to disagree. So that's what that's why we're having we need to have the conversations to build connection, not to prove, not to prove anything. Not gonna prove anything in a conversation. And here's here's a fact. Here's a fact that's true for everybody, I think. Nobody ever changes their mind in public. No one will ever change their mind in the heat of a conversation and go, you know what? You're right. Every idea I've ever I'm bad, I'm I'm wrong, I'm done. No one ever does that. People change their minds when they're driving alone in their car, when they're laying in bed at night thinking about stuff. People have a paradigm shift and go, you know what, maybe I'll see it this way. So I've given up on trying to convince anybody of anything. No one is ever, no one, there's too much, we all have too much pride and ego to, 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 just, to just say, well, you know what, everything I just said for the last 10 minutes, never mind, I'm wrong. People think about their ideas. People build fortresses around their assumptions and around their ideas. So giving them what I think might help and then just like let it grow. Water the plant and then like let it grow because you're never going to, that owning somebody, that feeling of, of dominating someone in a conversation, you know, it's even hard to find on YouTube. Even, even if somebody gets owned, that person never admits that they got owned. They just look foolish. And making somebody look foolish is never, you know, it's like playing basketball with five-year-olds. Like, you just, you just look like a jerk. So it doesn't, it doesn't even feel good to, quote-unquote, win a conversation. Yeah, I'd like to add to that. I mean, if you have a conversation, you go into conversations with the uh, preconception saying it's my way or the highway or it's right or wrong, that becomes an argument. That's what, what, what we're going, coming in to do. We're coming to have a conversations to, to develop a solution. To, to build to something. To coexist. Right. It, we don't want it to turn into an argument. Yeah. That's not what the conversation is about. It's two ways. It's not one way. I've had that experience that you're talking about. As the human relations officer, I had to present the tough topics, EEO, and it was supposed to be a small class, but often they would send the entire unit. I might have 60 people and have to present different principles to them. And in the course of that conversation teaching with them, many of them will express, they get comfortable with me, and they'll say, well, I don't think women should be doing this job because they got a lot of physical issues, or we don't have minorities in these positions because they just don't qualify. Um, they don't know enough. I said, are you certain about that? Have they been given the same materials, the same information? Because if someone is, if you're having meetings and you're not including these people, they're missing out. Inclusiveness. You're, you can't expect somebody to know what you don't tell them they should know, give them materials, give them the training, and then when they start doing the job, you don't give them the feedback to let them know about their performance. That is not appropriate because the strongest chain is no stronger than the weakest link. And you are creating a weak link when you do that. And it costs everyone. So I'm not here to talk for all the brown people, yellow people, or anybody who's not white. I'm here 
to make it as fair as possible and to get people communicating because often it's a misunderstanding that has caused all of these. But when you come to the table and say X and another person comes to the table and says X plus X squared, you know, then it's like, oh, you realize you both wanted the same thing just by looking at each other, getting caught up in what you thought the other person was saying and what you thought they meant and th the same thing for them. So long story short, later on, I've had people individually come up to me and say, you know, it's not what you said, but the whole gamut of the class, you know, I'll come and talk to you. I believe you're out for everybody's benefit, not just biased for one person or another. Because I told them, for one thing, I don't want anybody who's not qualified in a position. You know why? Because it makes it harder for me. I already have enough to deal with for when me to come along and you feel like I got here because of some quota system or somebody just gave me a position to put some color in the roster. I don't appreciate it. So I don't want anybody who's not qualified who doesn't want to be there either. Fair enough? Exactly. I think uh, to piggyback off of that, ma'am, and I uh, heard uh, a common theme, and obviously since I'm the prop guy today, <laughs> I, heard a lot about, I heard a lot about right and wrong, right and wrong, and you asked the question earlier, have you ever had to have that difficult conversation? <laughs> and I remember when the protests first came, I uh, got to speak to a, a bunch of soldiers, and that was the whole, you know, Black Lives Matter when that first started. And, uh, you know, I went into a room and, and you know, I, I, as you said, let the uh, elephant, I didn't want it to break no toes. But uh, in, in the middle of that, I said, hey, so what do you think about Black Lives Matter? And I was amazed at the, um, the angst and the animosity because it was uh, words like, you know, don't all lives matter. And, 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 and I said, OK, I, I, I was trying to understand why there was so much pushback. When I wasn't, I, I literally, that was a question, hey, what do you think about Black Lives Matter? But I realized that that was a loaded question, obviously, you know, months later. Now, <laughs> what I did do, though, I went back and I analyzed, again, my approach back to the A. So I went back the second time, and I brought my little board, and I said, listen, first of all, when I ask this question, I want you to know right now, this is not a test, as you mentioned. So I said, I raced it, and I said, this is not a test. This is no right or wrong. So here's the red mark, you know, uh, pen. I says, so what I'm here to do is get information, which could lead to your point, inspiration, that I at least now understand where you're coming from. Now I ask that you get information and inspiration from me so you might understand where I'm coming from. And I said to them, you know what? The best example that I can give you would be going for a camp. I said, I haven't gone camping uh, maybe until I was 19, 20 years old. And somebody said, hey, why don't you take some marshmallows? Mm -hmm. Right? And they gave me some ingredients. Everybody watching, I got my marshmallows here. <laughs> Told you I got my two bags. Wait, those are like the jumbo. Those, those are giant. You are good. not playing around. The jumbo ones. The and I, 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 I got a big family. I got twin boys and a baby girl. So, you know, we're going to have some. <laughs> right? I got my. And they said, take some graham crackers, and then they blew my mind, and they said, after that, they gave me some more information. They said, why don't you take some chocolate? And it was through these ingredients that they put, they said, put them together, and then after that, they said, melt them. I said, that doesn't even sound right. From where I'm from, that doesn't sound right. You mean, some hot dogs, some bologna and cheese, <laughs> you know what I mean? That sounds right. Some melted marshmallows with chocolate and some graham crackers around the fire. I did it. And I'm hooked. 
As yeah. you can see, I got the family pack and a big jumbo. So through that, when I said to my soldiers, I said, so guess what? I want to hear your ingredients, and I want to hear your ingredients, because I'm sure that if we put that all together, by the end of this conversation, we'll be able to melt something together that tastes good for all of us. So Gentlemen, I got to say, I love your yeah, props, the props and, the, and, and the, the, what you're expressing with these props, because I was just thinking, to, to continue what you were saying, is that coming... The reason I love conversations is because I love to explore. Mm-hmm. A conversation is an exploration. If I come into the conversation with a red ball and somebody else comes into the conversation with a blue ball, I need to understand from the moment it starts, from the moment I see that difference, that what we're both going to walk away with is something purple. Every conversation is a chance to swirl together and make a s'more, as the chaplain just said, and something really beautiful might come out of it. And speaking to those individuals that, that when you brought up Black Lives Matter, and they, they didn't even feel, I, I, let me ask you, did they, it felt like they couldn't even respond, right? Like the they, first time. The first time, yeah, <laughs> the first, exactly, the first time. I would encourage people to, because what, what, what got in the way for those people was their emotions. I'm not even going to go and and, and make any opinions about their opinion. But I can say that if they felt like they couldn't respond, it's because their their emotions were getting in the way because they had a lot of charged feelings and charged thoughts about Black Lives Matter. And so this is kind of like on the side thing, but like being aware of your feelings happening. And, you know, I had some anxiety before this conversation started and I was like watching it happen. But that's not me. and, And that's why I'm okay. And I would encourage people listening to be okay with walking away from a conversation with something different than you arrived with. Because your opinion is not who you are. Our thoughts and our feelings are ever-changing, and over the course of a lifetime, they make a story. But in any given moment, I might change. it's okay to change our minds. So go. I enter spaces where I'm excited about the possibility of changing my mind. And I just want to tell people listening that that's a fun place. That's a fun place to be, to be flexible and, and let your mind sort of change and flow with what other people have to offer. It's a building connection. So thank you again for an amazing yeah, visual I, demonstration yeah, of I'm good, loving good the conversations. And the context. <laughs> I might actually do so, use some of those uh, con- in context. But one of the things that um, I think we can all agree around the table is that a part of having the conversations in this, in this environment we're in is being open and being inclusive. And um, earlier we were talking before we started the recording um, about inclusivity and about how we tend, not intentionally, depending on the, the, what your drive is, we tend to change the definitions of words. And so inclusivity, I think, for some people in the context of diversity and inclusion has become this third rail, right? I, I, think we, I think we've all kind of probably had some experiences of that. Can you clarify what third rail? Something I need to run away from. It's a bad thing. It's a negative. It, oh, it gets gotcha. a negative connotation to it. And so, but I think, and, and with the s'mores um, graphic, inclusivity helps us Grow inclusivity. I think, in some ways, is necessary um, for forward movement. 
like you have these ingredients. So you have this graham cracker and this chocolate and this marshmallow, but there's so many things that they can become if we include them all. If you leave, as somebody who's gone camping, if you leave the marshmallow out and you take the chocolate and the graham cracker and you put it over a fire, you're gonna have a mess. <laughs> you're gonna have a melted chocolate and a graham cracker. Having that marshmallow in acts as a bondit. So, and that's, I think, um, and I'd love to hear like some of your thoughts on that, but that's what inclusivity is. Inclusivity is not something we need to run away from or be afraid of um, or go into ready to fight versus conversate because we're trying to hear everybody's points and perspectives. Um, but it's honestly something we should run towards. Um, Chief, I know you have mentioned when uh, Major Anchor was speaking about when he was talking, you were like inclusivity. So I feel like you kind of, you and I kind of picked up on that same mindset, that same sure. idea. Sure. As you know, as an HRA for the wing here, part of our, our main function here is uh, take a look at the, our wing's uh, DNI, the diversity and inclusiveness, uh, and then advise the wing leadership on how to proceed. Um, so diversity and inclusion, what is it? I mean, the way I look at it is I can't separate the two. Uh, I look at diversity, I mean, the country, I believe, to me, this is my opinion now, the country is diverse. I believe it's very diverse. But inclusiveness, maybe not so. So, again, diversity without the inclusiveness, is, it's not, it's not a whole, doesn't give you the whole picture. People want to be in, included, involved. They don't, I mean, you can be all diverse you want, but if I'm not included, I'm going to feel left out. So that's, that's why the inclusive piece is so important with diversity and inclusive. And um, just, yeah. just piggyback off that, I, I like to look at diversity as a, as a positive trait all by itself. Diversity for diversity's sake is okay. And just like Colonel Sutton said, uh, we, we, you know, we were talking before, the, before the, we started recording, you know, we don't, we don't want the wrong person in the, in the job. We want the right person in the job. But there are certain traits that are just positive traits that that we are allowed to notice. Like someone, someone who's very who's very strong. That's going to be a, a benefit. strength is a good trait to have. It may not be the right fit for this particular job, but we can all agree trait strength is a good trait. Flexibility, key to air power, it's a good trait. Um, in being intelligent, a good trait to have. Uh, we can all agree that that's a, a good thing. So while none of these individual strengths, intelligence, flexibility, versatility, the, maybe the ability to speak multiple languages, even if nobody around here speaks French, that kind of mental flexibility mm -hmm. is a good thing to have. So while any of those specific traits don't, won't you know, make somebody an ideal fit for a given job, they're all good traits. And I want to throw diversity into that mix. Diversity isn't you don't want to hire somebody just because of diversity, but diversity is a thing that adds to someone's resume, if you will. It's a good. It's, it's like being very strong. If they bring diversity to the organization, you know, what if what if the what if the chocolate and the graham crackers had been like this is a chocolate graham cracker place. We don't want we don't want nothing else besides chocolate and graham crackers. And the marshmallows never got a never got a piece. We would never have s'mores. So like diversity for diversity's sake is a good thing. We're allowed to just want to have people to increase diversity simply for diversity's sake because it's going to lead to more creative solutions and, uh, you know, unique and, and intrepid problem solving. So diversity is, is a fine thing to just push for for its own sake is, is my point there. Yeah, so um, any thoughts, um, Colonel Sutton, on 
on inclusion and, and well, its role? Yes, on, a, on the inclusion part, um, you're right. We do have a diverse population, but I think of it similar to fishing. Um, to get as many included, um, you have to go to different ponds. If you keep fishing in the same pond, you're going to keep getting the same fish who are often going to have the same perspectives because they have similar experiences. So there's a certain way of thought about approaching things and doing things. Whereas if you go into different ponds, you've got different fish, and they swim differently. They have a different diet. Um, it's just different. And um, many differences can help us to grow and find talents because my thought with the United States is this. If we can do as well as we have done, given the hiccups and all the other stuff, despite sexism, racism, uh, disparities in health, disparities in work, disparities in living conditions, if we can do this well with that, how much better can we do if we break down those walls? Oh, my gosh. I mean, we can do so It'll much be. better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could find the cure to cancer. We could find the, a different way of working, a different computer technology that's going to take us that much further. But because we are not talking and we have these walls up and we're assuming this person doesn't know or doesn't have the capability or they would never do that, you know, just ask. Why don't we ask people and put it out there? You know, I have been amazed by what happens, because I can't remember where I saw it. I think it was in a tongue and quill. Give people your objective and let them surprise you with their ingenuity. And I honestly think that we are not putting out the common objectives. And after we talk about it, we need to move more towards some kind of actions that get people out of their comfort zones. You know, I lived in New York for several years, and it amazed me how people confine themselves to a 10 city block. They don't go anywhere else. I mean, I got yeah. off the train in Washington Heights and stepped up off the platform, and I was like, okay, donde esta? You know, I felt like I was in another country. They're afraid to go outside of there. They won't go to the Metropolitan Museum of Art. They won't go to the cloisters. They won't go outside of that radius. So they're stuck in that paradigm, stuck in whatever can be done in that 10 block radius. And sometimes I feel like we are stuck in that because we just need to stretch a little bit more and realize that we're still, we're not having the diversity of thought. We're having the visual diversity, but we haven't gotten to the diversity of thought yet. And that inclusion means you invite somebody to the table. They may not talk right away, but you invite everybody to the table. Um, they'll get comfortable and they'll start talking. You know, because I think for a long time, many people feel like they're invited to the dance, but they have no choice in the music. They have no choice in where they stand. They can't go to the punch bowl. They don't feel comfortable eating any snacks. So it's not as rich an experience as it could be. Right. So... Um, I think we're moving towards it. We're starting to have the conversations, such as this one. So I think that is progress, and uh, we're going to get there. So. Mm -hmm. Chaplain, you have anything to say? 
Um, I just concur with what everybody's saying. Um, what comes to my mind is what Martin Luther King Jr. said. I think uh, we've uh, got to get to a point where we don't judge people by the color of our skin, but by the content of our character. So what I mean by that is diversity and inclusion um, has been prevented for so long, and now we're trying to get to a place to where it's celebrated. And we got to make that yes. uh, we got to make that transaction. Yes. And so I think that's the problem, as you know, with a lot of the uh, things that are going out there right now in society. It's been prevented for so long, so here we have a group of people that want to celebrate it and realize how important it is, but until something becomes celebrated, uh, the challenge is it usually doesn't make much progress. It's usually prevented. So now we're having this dialogue so that it's uh, a prevented, I mean celebrated and not prevented, and I think for me, because that's the way I, I think, I always think in pictures, so it's amazing that you said that, because I do have something in my tool bag that kind of speaks <laughs> <laughs> to nice. diversion okay. and in inclusion. And what I have here is a little, if you remember when you were young, you had these things called kaleidoscopes. Mm -hmm. Now, a kaleidoscope to me is amazing because when you look at it, it's a bunch of rocks, different colors, different shapes, different sizes. But as you twist it, and some of them come together, some of them move apart, some, as the different angles begin to get perspective, it forms this beautiful picture that you celebrate so much that you hand it to your other friend and say, look, look at this, yes. look at that. So I think now what America's doing right now is we're starting to get a perspective that we realize that all the rocks, when we come together with different angles, different upbringings, different cultures, different styles of music, but it's still, look, this is beautiful. So it's now being celebrated instead of prevented. Right, I like that, yes. I see it. So, um... We're going to start wrapping this up, but I definitely would like to go around the table um, with some things that you guys, I, I believe everybody kind of had in their mind um, ways or, or tips and tricks that they use. I don't like the word tricks in that context, but that they use when having difficult conversations. Um, so I know, for example, it's come up a couple of times about... Um, you're having a conversation and not a confrontation. Um, putting away some of your pre preconceived ideals um, about somebody or something or an idea. Um, and I think those are definitely keys to how you go about having what we call the difficult conversations and the fact that it's called a difficult conversation because we're acknowledging our differences before we're acknowledging our commonalities. Um, so with, without any further ado, um, Chief Ng, is, with our last few moments, is there any Sure. Uh, how much time do we have? Mm. Well, yeah. All right, I just, share, I just want to share some, a quick story with you real quick about the goes back to your question, original question about some of the conversations we had before. Uh, not too long ago, my son, I had a conversation with my sons uh, between uh, what was going on. We were watching a, uh, a TV report of uh, Mr. George Floyd and his arrest and all that. Mm -hmm. And um, we started discussing, and I violated one of the biggest rules that I just mentioned earlier, and that's what really opened up my eyes when my sons called me a racist. Uh, what I saw was, I tried to look beyond the picture. I saw, well, maybe if he didn't uh, commit the crime, he wouldn't be arrested. But I didn't go far back enough. And that really opened my eyes. I think I violated that rule with the preconception of what's going on because he did a crime. That's why he got arrested. So that is, I, I can't state that enough. Um, you need to come in with an open mind and, and, and clear, clear your head and just listen to, to what the other side is saying. And that really woke up my eyes. And I thought, uh, 
I teach in the DNI. I know everything, but but I don't. So don't 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 be scared to admit that you don't have all the answers. We're here to discuss. We're here to find out what the answers are. That's what this conversation is about. If I had all the answers, I wouldn't be here. Right, and I think the other part to that is we're human, um, and um, we have biases. We 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 do. Um, you can't get through life without having biases. You can't grow up in certain environments or certain situations and not have biases. And so it's what you do when you realize the bias you have and how you address it and how you allow it to um, not hinder you in having conversations and learning and being open-minded. Uh, Major Anchor. I got a, I got a couple things. Um, some stuff that came up, I want to, uh, since, since the chaplain brought Black Lives Matter into it, into the conversation, I just want to quick clarify for people that may be confused, the, the Black Lives Matter movement and, and that, that hashtag or that title of it is Black Lives Matter also. That is, that is what the Black Lives Matter movement is about. It's not saying that Black Lives Matter more than white lives or other lives when someone says all lives matter, they, they're agreeing with people who are Black Lives Matter supporters because that's all that, because what, the, what that Black Lives Matter uh, label is saying, is, is acknowledging, is that the majority of society and some of our power structures, in the case of George Floyd and police in that city where there's examples, it seems like black lives don't matter. That's, that's what the Black Lives Matter movement is saying. It's saying all lives matter, Everyone's saying all lives matter, but if we look at the way the, the, the cookies are crumbling, it seems like the majority of society in America doesn't fully matter or value black lives as much as other lives. So that is, black lives matter and all lives matter are saying the same thing. It's not saying that black lives matter more, it's that they matter the same amount. And that's, that's the message of, of that movement. Um, another thing I wanted to mention real quick was that If we want to talk, I, I acknowledge that I, I'm the only white person in this, in this conversation. There are different kinds of experiences that def, people of different backgrounds have. We don't want to make assumptions. How, how do we acknowledge sort of racial disparities, right, without making assumptions about an individual? And that is we simply just do that. We acknowledge racial disparities without making an assumption. And so what I do is I, so one way to talk about racism that is totally appropriate at work is this report that came out where the Air Force admitted persistent and consistent racism. It's in the news, Google it. Uh, racism against black airmen. That happened. It's there. The Air Force admitted it. We don't have to, like, beat around the bush. When I meet a black person in the Air Force... I hold the possibility that they have encountered some racism. I don't assume they have. I don't, I don't make any assumptions, but I hold the space for maybe they've had this experience that I've read about in the news that the Air Force has admitted to. Holding that sort of neutral space, I, I, if anyone plays racquetball, I call it like trying to get back to the middle of the court, just being available for anything to happen and not making an assumption that they have experienced. Maybe they haven't. It's not everywhere. Maybe they haven't experienced it. Um, but holding that space for maybe, that, and that goes for anyone that may have had a different experience than me. Um, another thing, when uh, Shawna, you were you mentioned the definitions of words. 
I'm kind of going through some checkpoints right now because <laughs> I, I just want to be as helpful as possible. So this this is my uh, last set of thing I want to mention as a as a conversational tool. In my critical thinking class, I teach that words don't have meanings or definitions. Words have uses. And in our conversations, we can avoid semant... We've all been had a conversation, right, like devolve into a semantic debate. Part of holding the space for somebody and part of allowing other people to express themselves and taking that information is to simply clarify how they're using the word. People use words differently. Think of the word court. There's a courtroom. There's a courthouse. There's a basketball court. I mean, people use... Words have several meanings, and people use them with different interpretations. So when I... I try to avoid the, well, no, this means this. No, what you said means this. Let's go to the dictionary for it. It's like, no, just clarify how they're meaning it, how they're, how they're, what they mean by when they say that word, accept it, throw it into the mix of how I understand the word, and then just move forward so that they feel heard and we don't start, that's how you get off topic, you start debating semantics instead of staying on topic. So accepting the way that somebody uses a word, words have uses as much as they have meanings or definitions. So that can... That's a that's a way to respect somebody else is just to accept the way that they're using the word, and then roll with that. That's really what they're saying, is when they clarify how they're how they're using that word. So yeah. that was a lot. <laughs> I'm and I'm all I'm all wrapped up. Thank you. <laughs> um, and so I'll allow uh, both Chaplain Barnett and Colonel Sutton to finish up. Just we just a few moments. Sure. Yes. Uh, you know, just uh, briefly. Uh, that's uh, my mama said. You got two ears and one mouth. So I think uh, any conversation, whether it's easy or difficult, uh, I think you go into it uh, with that in mind, that you want to listen twice as much as you speak. And what that means, uh, that allowing the other person to know that they're valued and validated. And I think if you enter any conversation with that perspective, that you value that person's opinion, although it might be different than yours, and you validate them, that means that they feel heard, and you might have the opportunity to also allow them to hear you. So, again, just be a good listener. Great. Thank you, sir. Um, I believe, as I said earlier, you should be subtly direct. But um, like the Tuskegee Airmen, you rise above. Come prepared to rise above any kind of argument or flack that you're going to get back. Because some people do not want to be, um, not I wouldn't say confronted. Some people do not want to be approached about mm -hmm. certain things. They don't want to be called out on it. So you're prepared for that. But be respectful, choose your words carefully, and just lay it out matter-of-factly and give your perspective on the situation and how you believe it should have happened and how it wasn't correct in your sign, in your view, and, and why. You know, um, And that's all you can do. You can lay it out there, and they can take it or not because you're, you're not going to win. It's not a win. It's a, it's a clarification, it's a communication, it's a connection, it's a making somebody aware of how the situation was interpreted by you, by me, and, um, and hopefully we can find a common ground and go from there. But I'm encouraged by this conversation. I'm hoping there'll be more. Great. Thank you all. Thank you. Um, it's been, I've gotten a lot from this conversation, and I hope, uh, I look forward to more conversations with you, but also more conversations with just our communities, yes. within our communities, um, within the 102nd, and with our Army, brothers and sisters as well. Um, I challenge every person 
don't let this be the beginning and end of your conversations. Um, and with each conversation you have, aim to have another one and another one. And eventually, you'll start to see change. You'll start to see us coming together, finding our commonalities, and getting to know each other. Just having those basic relationships that we all strive to have. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.